Hi everyone, I'm Alexia Jacques-Casanova and you're listening to Do It Different, a podcast by Communicating the Arts, in which I talk to artists and leaders from the cultural sector about their professional trajectories, their most successful failures and what they've learned from those. Today I have the pleasure to interview Patrick Giger, who used to be, well still is actually until the end of December, the director of the Lieu Unique, which is a multidisciplinary cultural centre in Nantes, France. So Patrick Giger was there for 10 years and he has recently been appointed as the first director of the brand new Platform 10 Foundation in Lausanne, Switzerland. Platform 10, if you haven't heard of it, is a brand new arts district bringing together the city's three flagship museums. The county's Fine Arts Museum, the Musée de l'Elysée and the Museum of Contemporary Design and Applied Arts. With Patrick, we've talked extensively about the importance of recruiting and nurturing a great team. We discussed how to deal with conflicts within art institutions, taking stances on political and or societal issues. And we also chatted about sharing power as a leader and ensuring you surround yourself with people who are stronger and better than you, even though it's a bit scary at first. Let's go. My name is Patrick Giger. I'm... Um a Swiss curator and historian, and I've been the director of Le Unique, the Center for Contemporary Culture in Nantes, in France, for a decade now. And before that, I was the director of the Maison d'Ailleurs, House of Elsewhere, uh, a museum um, linked to Utopia, mostly, in, in Yverdon, in Switzerland. I got that job when I was quite young as a first uh, directorship um, of a project. Previously to that, uh, I've done several other things, uh, more or less linked to cultural to the cultural field. Uh, but uh, I was trained as a historian and art historian. Mm-hmm. I see. So you mentioned uh, uh, Utopia, and it is actually a common thread in your professional career. You served, you said it as the director for the uh, science fiction and utopia museum in the uh, Yverdon les Bains. You've written and uh, edited books uh, that explore the relationship between science fiction and new technologies or science fiction and actual evolutions within our societies. And the unique in Nantes is also very much linked, I think, to this theme of the imagination and science fiction. Um, it is the city of uh, Jules Verne. So is it something that you are planning to uh, take with you at Platform 10, that, that element of utopia and science fiction? Well, the element of utopia, uh, for, for sure. I mean, um, for me, the, the utopia is actually um, it's like a two-faced uh, coin. It's uh, one foot really in, in reality and one foot in imagination and projection. It is more uh, like a perspective than, than anything else. It's trying to um, imagine another way for society or another future uh, for our environment, uh, general environment, based on what we already have today. And generally, I think cultural institutions, uh, including museums, should be very much uh, political, uh, should be really very much involved in the, the, 
the, the way we live today and to try and change people's perspective on our societies. Uh, I think we have um, a duty for education. We have a duty for enlightenment, in, in, a, in a way, and uh, a duty to change how people see the world. So that, that is the utopian perspective, if you want. So I always ask guests what the toughest challenge has been or currently is. Since he is between jobs, currently finishing at the Lyonique and already preparing for his new position at Platform 10, which starts in January, it makes sense that Patrick Giger had several and various examples to tap from. Clearly, the Lyonique was a great learning curve for what awaits him in Lausanne. The institutions were at different stages when I arrived at the, being a director. Platform Time is, a, is, a, is really grounded on three institutions that exist, that have existed for a long time, but it's a new project. Uh, whereas the Lyonique had, had, had been there and working well you know uh, for for a decade when i arrived so the challenge was to try and make something new out of it to try and change um, old uh, habits to try and expand the program develop it to try and include more um, political perspective uh, new artists um, so that was the big challenge and then there were a lot of small challenges or big challenges linked to specific projects obviously we we created Um, we had to find new funds to create new projects. We created a, um, a literature festival. We created a geopolitics festival, very big music and keep from, uh, festival. We had exhibitions with the Pompidou Center, with uh, the Barbican, um, in an environment which is not a museum-like environment, where, where we don't have the old um, temperature control rooms. So we, for instance, you know, so we had to kind of, uh, I was coming from museum background, so I, I wanted museum quality exhibitions. And I also wanted to produce exhibitions and tour them, which we did. And it wasn't something that really Unique was, was doing before. So we had exhibitions that went to Japan. We had exhibitions that went to Mexico uh, and other places in France, obviously in Switzerland. So that, that, was, uh, that was something I was very happy with. And then we had very strange moments because it's a place which is open 362 days per year uh, from early in the morning to very late at night there are massive parties it's also a club it's a restaurant it has a bookstore um, and for instance from one day to the next the bookstore closed so we had to imagine a new project for for this space and we we have now a reading salon where we you know people come and, and read for free art books and comic books and you know and it's like a, a moment of, res of respite in, the, in our busy busy lives for instance we had um, very we were attacked by neo-nazis because of a work that we have displayed you know there are people coming with You know, with arms uh, to our place, trying to to you know destroy the work. We had a, a drone with a flame, inflammable, inflammable device that was trying to burn us down. Uh, I was under police protection for several weeks. Yeah, I mean, when you actually display contemporary art that can challenge people and people's perspective, um, then you. You know, you can expose yourself to to, to threats, and it, it did happen. Uh, you know, luck, luckily, it was it was a rare, it was a rare moment. Um, but that was um, we are in an environment here in France which is more exposed 
politically, I would say, than, than I think Switzerland would, would be. Uh, and I think Platform 10, in that case, probably has, at the start at least, uh, probably less... Um, less um, Controversial, maybe? Yeah, less edge. Um, yeah, or it's probably less controversial uh, in, in a way, as you say. Um, the, the challenges that um, await uh, me and everybody that's involved in the Platform 10 project is that it is still a very uh, dry uh, environment, it's a very mineral environment, it's very um, a bit arid, if you want. Uh, it's ne- next to the station. It's uh, the, the all the, the green spaces haven't been opened yet. Ha- half is not more of the site is still uh, uh, being built, uh, so it's a work in progress. The station itself will be built for next, rebuilt and transformed for next ten years. So it's going to be a massive. It's a, it's a train station. It's a train right? t- station, and it's going to be transformed for for a decade. So it's going to be create a lot of noise, a lot of traffic. Uh, traffic will be diverted to, towards our sites. So we'll we'll see how we can we can play with that. So. Uh, the site is still uh, in, in process of being of being transformed into a cultural quarter. It's it's not yet a qu- cultural quarter at the moment. There's only one building that is open and um, some arcades, and we have to make it into a very lively environment. So that's our challenge uh, to to make it um, more welcoming and uh, more inclusive in a way. As we were discussing platform ten. Patrick Giger pointed out to me that although there are many successful arts quarters around the world, the really hot thing to achieve, and which he definitely aims to make a reality at Platform 10, is unifying the different institutions making up the arts quarter, so that they don't just share a geographical location, but also share a vision, a real coherent experience for the visitors. The hardest challenge of all, according to Patrick, will certainly be making this unity happen while allowing each institution to retain and showcase their own individual identity and missions. This will certainly require a lot of work, but apparently there's also a secret ingredient that often makes or breaks great projects like Platform 10. It sounds very uh, common, but the team really is what makes the institution. It's one of the three the three strong elements of the institution. The first one, I think, is the the, the building, the, the the environment, the site. I think you know, the, the 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 architecture really guides what an institution can do. Then, of course, in the case of museums, is really the collections are uh, the second very strong element. And then there's a team. You know, with a a strong team, you can do. I mean, there's very little limit of what you can do if the the team is dynamic, adaptable, and um, efficient. Then there's uh, you can do a, a lot of things you can you, we we have for instance because of the pandemic in, in in may we decided to cancel all of our program until the end of the year and in one month we redid everything we redid absolutely everything from scratch things that were planned for you know had been planned for two years uh, we we scrapped exhibitions we rebuilt you know we shifted exhibitions around created new projects we created New new settings for um, uh, stage projects. We we reopened as soon as possible. Everything was free. Everything is still free. We we put in place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, and that is was only possible because the team was willing to do it. Uh, that was huge uh, extra work. 
But when I said, well, we need to kind of rethink how we can present the project in times of this, this pandemic, and we need to make it free, we need to make it inclusive, we need to be able to support the artists. Everybody was, everybody was in, you know, I mean, there was no discussion. People know why they work in a cultural field uh, and or the museum field. So I think that this, even our you know, accountant, you know, he, he's, he's working here and not um, at some... In, in another, um, you know, administration, because he thinks it's our project is important and has an impact on society. So this is my approach: is to feel to have people involved in the, the artistic project that that uh, cultural institution is uh, is leading. You know, uh, that that is my perspective. So um, there's nothing we won't that will be done without the support of the team of, of Platform D's. I think they need to be um, involved. Um, they need to be given opportunities for career progress or to develop their own projects. There's um, Here I was, I'm very proud that a lot of people have moved on from the Leonique to other institutions. They, you know, people that work, were working with me, um, they become, became, they, had, they got, very big positions, being director of other institutions or general secretary for uh, like major festivals or starting, you know, have, have helping create exhibitions for big museums. So this is something I'm, I'm proud of, um, that an institution can, yeah, accompany its team and its teams generally to, uh, to progress within the institution and outside the institution. Yeah. Within and beyond the institution. Yeah, within and beyond. And, you know, this is why I'm very, always very happy when people have also like side projects, when they create their own projects on the side or, or they write books or uh, just simply kind of come and propose uh, ideas. We have team meetings very often and people come up with ideas and those people can be the ones that are at the front of house. You know, we, we, it's not a, we try not to have a, too much of a top-down kind of system, even though at the end of the day, of course, there's, there's, a, there are, there's a director that decides and takes a responsibility. There, there are kind of um, heads of uh, um, sectors that decide also, of course. For Patrick Giger, a great team and great leadership is not based on consensus, but on consultation. What he seeks is not for everyone to agree, but for everyone to have the opportunity and confidence to express their opinion and have it weigh in the final decisions. Cultural institutions sometimes take risks. Patrick Giger and his team have definitely taken a few at the Leonique in the past few years. Why else would have they been attacked by neo-Nazis or be made the target of a flame-throwing drone? At one point, a bunch of people protesting for the rights of homeless and at-risk populations started squatting the Lyonique as a political statement. Patrick and his team decided to let them be and the squatters stayed for several days before they were evicted by the police an ending which they were actually, the protesters, hoping for so they could, you know, make their political statement. 
The decision to let those people squat the lieu unique was not anonymous amongst the team members. There was conflict on this occasion and on others, of course. So how does a director deal and solve those conflicts? Well, it really depends on the type of conflict. I give a lot of autonomy of the, the heads of departments because I think the managers should be really in charge. I don't want to take the power from them and kind of come in at some point and then solve things myself unless this is requested by them. I was I was very interested to know about um, your you know your professional trajectory and if there's anything that looking back on all of your professional experiences. Um, is there anything you wish you could have done differently? Absolutely. I think what I would have done differently, and I was advised to do so, is when I arrived here at Lunique, I would have, I would have needed more support in, in HR, I think. I would have needed to be um, guided by someone external from the organization that would tell me because it, how to do things properly. I mean, I had a different type of team. I was... Basically, coming from Switzerland to France, you think it's the because we, you know, coming from French-speaking Switzerland to France, you think things work in very closely or you know are very closely related, but the, the work ethics and the processes are different. And uh, actually, I didn't know I, di I didn't know them. So after we discussed how the French and the Swiss deal with authority in the workplace, Patrick and I talked a bit about the current shift or at least interest for shared power and co-leadership in cultural institutions. Here's what he had to say. In a way, it's, of course, it's important to have kind of a few key figures because um, to incarnate an institution is also something that you don't want to lose. You need a few key people to go and talk to politicians, to represent the institution, to events, to, uh, to negotiate projects and exhibitions with um, bigger institutions uh, or stronger institutions to fundraise also uh, obviously you need that but you can sh you can share a lot of the, the, the power there's i mean I, i really think that it's it's a sign of good leadership when you surround yourself with people that are stronger than you in their own field you know uh, one doesn't want to uh, to be scared of someone that is more competent than our, ourselves. You know, I mean, I, the, the, when I arrived, there was an administrator here, and then after a couple of years, he became general administrator, and now is deputy director. And when I leave, he's going to be the director, uh, the interim director, and I have no fear that it's, it's going to go, go very well for, uh, for an institution for a few months where there's no appointed director. Because uh, he actually can do it, and he probably didn't know it when I arrived, and uh, now he does. You know, and uh, as I said, there are several people that were um, at interesting levels here, but became very strong in other institutions. You know, they and I helped them apply. I supported their project, and um, you know, sometimes you cannot share the power in in your own institution, but you can help them get. Uh, stronger positions somewhere else um, even though as i said before having uh, figures that still incarnate the institution is also something that shouldn't be completely lost and uh, I, i don't really believe in the consensus in a way i believe in consultation i believe we everybody has to ex be able to express themselves but at the end of the day you need some decisions to be made in order for progress to be made personally uh, i've had a really magnificent failure um, 
we uh, that was years ago. That's probably the, I mean I use it very often in in, in talks uh, because it's really um, I learned a lot from it, but I also gained a lot from it. Um, Twenty in two thousand two years ago, there was a massive uh, national exhibition in Switzerland called Expo Zero Two. Expo O Two, that that is the equivalent, the Swiss equivalent of uh, um, of uh, the, the World Fairs, if you want. Every thirty forty years, there's an exhibition in um, in Switzerland that brings the country together. Nineteen sixty four, it was in Lausanne. Two thousand two, it was. Uh, between four cities, and one of them was Yverdon-les-Bains, where I was based with my museum. And among the works that were in that exhibition was a really iconic blur building by Diller and Scofidio, famous architects. That building was actually on the lake, was 100 yards from the shore, uh, on and in the lake. It was a beautiful um, steel tensegrity uh, infrastructure. Um, and it was to be destroyed at the end of the exhibition, and I thought it was it was criminal to do that to let that happen. Uh, um, so I worked very hard to preserve it. I found the money to preserve it. I got the European Space Agency to um, to be involved financially and project wise. Uh, there was quite strong political support, financial support from the state, and because it's Switzerland, at the end of the day, it was put to vote by the population. Uh, so people voted, and obviously was rejected. <laughs> so, uh, so by two thirds. So you know, very clear ma margin. Um, and the building was um, destroyed. Was uh, was blown up by dynamite. So, um, so, so in two, I, I kept. We kept it like an extra year until the vote was on, and then a few months later, it was destroyed. And a lot of people regret it. Uh, uh, and came to me years later, uh, saying, "Oh, that was, you know, bad decision, and uh, it wasn't aware. It was was not reversible." I was like, "We, we told you that, you know, if if you were to destroy this place, that was gone forever, and it cost millions, tens of millions to to build, and we we got it for free because this, destroying it would have cost the company something. So we got it for free, um, and you would have this iconic building on the lake. You know, we would have transformed." Uh, your um, your city completely. Um, so that was, uh, in a way, reminiscent of what happened with Platform This, because the Museum of Fine Arts, uh, MCBA on Platform This, is only there because the the previous project, uh, which was a museum by the lake, was uh, voted down um, a decade ago by the by the city uh, of Lausanne and the and the Canton probably also. So, um, and because that was rejected, then they had to find a new site, and it was agreed that the, the best new site was next to the station. And now we have this beautiful uh, environment and a new arts quarter. So, uh, in the case of Platform This, that that was the Platform Ten. That was the the that failure was transformed into success. And for me, was that the failure with the Blur Building uh, was also transformed into a success because. Actually, people in the city saw that even with a small cultural institution, you had the power to change how people perceive the city, and you have the power to change even the, the economy of the city, you know, um, and attract international press and international attention. Um, and 
After that, I was able to do um, an extension to the museum I was, was running, which was voted uh, very easily through, through the local parliament. Uh, we got quite a bit of money for that, and um, I was able to kind of renovate the whole museum. So a lot of things happened after that, that failure. Um, so, of course, there are still regrets, but uh, there was a rebound. And so. Well, before we, we finish, because uh, I'm conscious of your time, um, is there anything that you want to add that maybe have, you, you know, haven't had an opportunity to talk about or, or, or an advice for people listening who are directors or director to be in the cultural sector? I don't think I would have any advice because uh, I think all institutions are really um, have their own singularity. I, I do believe that. That, uh, as I said, um, there are three three elements that I think make institution, um, which is the team, the the, the 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 site and the environment, and I include the city. It's very different to, to work in Nantes to, uh, from working in Lausanne, from working in Yverdon or a smaller uh, place or big, big being an institution in Paris or London. It's nothing like being an institution in, in, in Lausanne or, uh, or Yverdon. Um, and then there are the collections. And of course, uh, museum people know how, how important that is. I don't have to, to stress that. Um, but I think what we should do is to, try, is to try and be part of the world and not uh, be institutions that take objects from this world like collections and extract it from the world and, and put it in, in vaults and, and not uh, uh, have them reflect on our environment. I think we should be in a, more than ever in a process where our institutions are as open as possible, uh, the works and, the, and the, the collections are seen, and that they impact uh, on people and that we we try and make a difference in, in our society. I think it's a duty that we have uh, today because these are important times that we go through and we, we see that every day. And these are times of change and we are the actors of that change. We are very much part of the actors of that change. As always, here are a few key learnings I got from my conversation with Patrick Giger. First, an institution's success is based on three things. Its site, which includes the city it's located in and the architecture of the building in itself, its collections and its team. Helping your team thrive within and beyond your institution is one of the greatest things you can do as a leader. You know what they say, if you love them, you gotta let them go. So let people have side projects. It will make them more creative, more confident, happier too. And this will have an amazingly positive impact on the work they do for your institution. Number two, work towards improving participation rather than trying to reach consensus with your team's decision-making process. Give people autonomy to try and resolve conflicts on their own, but Make sure that as a leader, you're present if and when they request you to be. And number three, surround yourself with people who are better than you would ever be at the job you're recruiting them for. You're a director, not a communications specialist or a fundraising ninja or a super accountant. Your job is precisely to find those experts and help them work at their best potential for the good of your institution and the public it serves. So don't be afraid to surround yourself with amazing people.
This podcast is brought to you by Communicating the Arts, a global network of cultural leaders who gather three times a year in Europe, North America and the Pacific. You can tweet at us using the Do It Different hashtag or the Communicating the Arts hashtag. This show is hosted and produced by me for Communicating the Arts and it is mixed and edited by Kevin Kelly, who also wrote and performed our theme song. If you like what you heard, subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and take a few seconds to rate our show so that more people can find it and enjoy it. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us. We'll be back soon for a brand new episode.